Hi there, and welcome to episode 41 of the Wayback Music Machine podcast. This is the show where we take a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. I'm here with Aaron Badgley in our virtual van, and we've got three stops today, Aaron. One of them we had to cover, didn't we? Yeah, and we, you know, you said lighthearted, but we have to co- we have to talk about one big event that happened. We can't go to, we can't ignore it. No, for sure. So let's get ready to go to Iowa on February the third, nineteen fifty nine, and then we're going to be heading to London, England, February the fourth, nineteen sixty five, for an incredible record that was set by a song that everybody knows. And finally, we're going to go to L.A. on February the 4th, 1977, and the release of an album that went on to become absolutely huge. One of the biggest albums of all time, in fact. So, are you ready to take a road trip? Sounds good. Let's go. It's a new year, and it's a brand new Wayback Music Machine. CD player? Check. GPS? Double check. Roll bar. They're on the way. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we're getting ready for another rock and roll road trip. Are you ready, my friend? I'm always ready. Well, in that case, buckle up because it's road trip time. Tony, I think we should mention to our our audience that this is an Aussie-free zone this week. It's an Aussie-free episode. No Aussie stories. <laughs> Although I'm sure there must have been something that funny funny that happened to Aussie, but uh, we didn't find anything. So and and you know what? Maybe it's best that we don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Given given the stories we've talked about lately, let's let's let Aussie not rest in peace, but let's have a little rest. <laughs> So our first story, unfortunately, is uh, a very sad one. This was the day the music died. We've got to go to February 3rd, 1959, and we're going to go to Iowa, Clear Lake, Iowa. So let's punch that in, and we'll be right back. So here we are. It is February 3rd, 1959, and we're just outside of Clear Lake, Iowa, And this, I guess you could consider to be rock and roll's first great tragedy, couldn't you, Aaron? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this was the day that was immortalized by Don McLean in American Pie. But uh, this is the day the music died. Uh, Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens were on board a plane, and they were heading to their next gig. They were on a tour, and the plane crashed shortly after takeoff, and nobody survived and uh, what a tragedy you know um i I don't know about you but i mean i'm a huge buddy holly fan and he was making so many advances in music in the short time he was recording and one can only hypothesize what he would have done in the 60s and 70s because this guy was a musical genius you know well he absolutely was and uh unlike a lot of the early rock and roll guys uh, buddy holly wrote his own music yeah yeah, and he also did, he was one of the first to start doing overdubs, which he learned from um, Les Paul. He was actually overdubbing and he was manipulating the studio. So he was he was using the studio as an instrument and this was revolutionary at the time. Yeah, so a big influence on bands like the Beatles later on mm-hmm. for sure. Well, you know where the, the Beatles got their name from Buddy Holly because um, the crickets, That's they were right. insects. So the Beatles went, well, we'll be the Beatles. So there you go. And change the spelling, of course. 
And, you know, the story behind this plane crash is tragic and is fascinating as well because Waylon Jennings is involved. Mm -hmm. But they were uh, doing a, a tour. It was called the Winter Dance Party Tour. And it was 24 cities in three weeks, so pretty busy. And uh, they were having major issues with their bus. It was freezing and stalling. And Holly decided he was going to charter a plane. Enough was enough. And uh, Waylon Jennings was almost uh, on that plane. And I, I find that such an amazing story. Well, and he gave up his seat to, uh, who was it, the big bopper, who was not feeling well. That's right. But yeah, the big that's bopper not where the story the ends. But that's not where it ends. It gets worse because of what Waylon said to Buddy just before, right? Well, yeah. I mean, they were just joking around, of course. And, uh, you know, Buddy said to Waylon, uh, you know, man, I hope your bus freezes. They were just good-natured ribbing. And then, uh, of course, Waylon Jennings says to Buddy Holly, yeah, I hope your plane crashes, man. And that tortured yeah. him for the rest of his life. And and you, I don't know if you know this, but Waylon's first single was produced by Buddy Holly. I did and, not um, know that, no. Yeah, very, very first single was produced. They were actually good friends. And uh, Waylon said in an interview, the therapy that helped him get over that guilt was this ther therapist said to him, so you think you caused this? And Waylon said, well, you know, maybe I jinxed it. He goes, okay, if that's the case, if you're so powerful, why don't you say, Buddy, come back to life and bring him back? And, and that made sense to Waylon at that point that he didn't, I mean, can you imagine if saying as a joke? Oh, but, I can't. No, no, I can't. Poor Waylon. But uh, I put in the uh, Spotify playlist a, a, a tribute that Waylon did to Buddy Holly. It's a medley of Buddy Holly hits done by Waylon. So it's quite good to listen to. And these guys were just kids, right? Like Buddy Holly was 22 years old when this happened. And J.P. Richardson, the big bopper, was 28. And, and unfortunately, Richie Valens was all of 17. Here's the other thing about Richie Valens, right? He was 17 and he already had hits with three songs. One was yeah. called Come On, Let's Go. The other was Donna. And of course, La Bamba, which he is most famous for, but 17 years old. And La Bamba became a hit again for Las Lobos when they did the film about Richie Valens, which was a, a, a great, called La Bamba, great movie, not entirely accurate but it was a great movie nonetheless but it is a it's what i mean don mclean summed it up you know i when he's delivering the papers of the day the music died american pie is one of my favorite songs of all time well it is a great song and and when you understand the uh, the context of it even greater right mm -hmm. like even mm -hmm. if you knew nothing about uh what happened on february 3rd 1959 the lyrics of american pie alone are, are just so fascinating well, he mentions the Stones, Janis Joplin, uh, Beatles. I mean, it's just a, it's 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 the history of rock and roll in eight and a half minutes. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I yeah, that song was massive when I was in high school. Absolutely massive. Oh, and as it should be. And I, I was when I was doing research for this, I was surprised to see that the Big Bopper, whose real name was J.P. Richardson, was a writer. He wrote for George Jones a song called White Lightning, which made number one. You know, after. Uh, JP passed away, but he also wrote Running Bear for Johnny Preston, and he was, I, I had no idea. I just thought he was a singer, a DJ first, and then a singer. Well, that's right. I knew he was a DJ, but I had no idea he was a writer, and that's a, that's a pretty cool fact. So, you know, quite often our fans will say, wow, I did not know that. Well, here's another, I did not know that <laughs> moment for you folks. Yes, indeed. But, uh, you know, Chantilly Lace is one of those songs that 
you know, I don't know if young people know it very well, but it was I, when I was growing up, we still played it as it was a great song, right? Oh, it's a fantastic song, and that just that famous chorus, right? So, <laughs> ooh, that's what I like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's it's hard to listen. I'm, I I grew up with Buddy Holly. I my mom had the single "That'll Be the Day," and it says on the label, it says the Crickets, which she won at our church, our local church, and she gave it to me as a kid, and I still have it, and and it's the original on choral records and i was always fascinated by buddy holly the the song that'll be the day uh, peggy sue peggy sue got married um it's just so many you know so many well and he had just gotten married didn't he i think so yeah he had a new bride and i think another uh fact that people may not know is that he had already uh broken away from the crickets the crickets had uh, disbanded mm. right so that's right. He was not with the crickets anymore when uh, when this plane crash happened. So there's the I did not know that moment number two, at least for today. Yeah, the chirping crickets weren't with uh, Buddy. That's why that he had Waylon on bass, um, who was also started as a DJ in Lubbock, Texas. So there you go. Um, it, it's just I think we had to pay tribute to the to the man that is Buddy Holly because again, you know, as much as the uh, Elvis was an influence on the Beatles. Buddy Holly taught the Beatles that they could write their own songs. And um, they actually covered one of Buddy's called Words of Love, which is beautiful, a beautiful cover version. Now, the charts uh, for this week, 1959, what did you pull up? I was shocked um, when I looked at a shot. I mean, and I'll tell you why, because number five is a song which I don't think would be played on the radio today, a song called Stagger Lee by Lloyd Price. And I love Lloyd Price, personality, great song. Stagger Lee, a story about a really bad man. <laughs> Just all I'm going to say. Great song, but it's a pretty rough song. Well, badder than Bad Bad Leroy Brown? Oh, much badder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> much, much badder. Um, Connie Francis was at number four with My Happiness. Uh, the Crests were at uh, number three with 16 Candles. Number two, you mentioned it already, Richie Valens with Donna. And number one, uh, The Platters, Smoke Gets In Your Eyes. Which I is love that song. I love uh, that song. It's one of the finest songs. <laughs> it <really> is. <laughs> I just love that song. It just, it, it's, it's like a, you know, you have that fav, favorite sweater and it's a really cold day out and you just, you, you get a cup of tea and you put that sweater, that's Smoke Gets In Your Eyes. Now, you know what I like the most about our chats when we're driving around in our virtual <laughs> van is that we can cover something depressing you know, like the day the music died, but we can still find reason to laugh and get a good chuckle in. And, and that's pretty special, isn't it? hundred percent. I mean, you, it, 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 you have to, you have to balance it out. And, um, I mean, we even, we even find something to laugh about when we talk about Aussie, but there you go. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so let's do uh, leg two of our rock and roll road trip. We're going to go to February 4th, February 4th. Yeah. 1965. And we're going to be talking about another band who we both love. So let's punch it in. We're going to London. Get some fish and chips. Well, here we are in sunny London. And of course, uh, it's raining. Sunny. Sunny. <laughs> Where's the sun? That's right. It's, it's raining heavily here. But uh, anyway, this is February 4th, 1965. And this is a really cool story so this features the righteous brothers who my dad was a righteous brothers fan actually i remember listening to those uh when i was a kid but they were at number one on the uk singles chart that's you know that's special enough always making number one uh, 
a Phil Spector song, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, which everybody knows. It was also a U.S. number one at the same time. But here is the cool fact. And I'm going to let you announce this, and I'll do a virtual drum roll here. And uh, what is the cool fact that makes this story special? Well, there's a couple of cool facts. But the one I'm going to go with is that um, it got over 8 million. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that one first. Okay. So it got over 8 million plays from the time it was released until 2000. And that includes all versions of the song, not just the Righteous Brothers. But but remember, folks, that's radio plays. That's not Spotify or iTunes or all that. It's radio play. Um, that I think that's a cool fact. And I, can I give the other one too, Tony? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I thought this was amazing. And I didn't know it until I did. I read your notes and uh, and I did some research. I did not know it was inspired by Baby, I Need Your Loving by the Four Tops. Yeah, isn't that a cool fact? I just love that. Does it does it make sense to you when you hear that? It does actually. Yeah. Does it really? Yeah. Yeah. Musically, it absolutely does. Now I'm going to add one little fact on there, and that uh, goes to what you were saying about being played over eight million times. That makes it the most played song in the 20th century. So there's your other. I did not know that moment, folks. <laughs> Well, I mean, and and is there a wedding? No, no, just kidding. It's not a wedding <laughs> song. I was just joking. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a terrible dance? That's the right. Bride and groom have picked. You've lost that love. <laughs> Sorry. White wedding, and then uh, you've lost that love and feeling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe yeah, maybe every breath she takes, you know, or yeah, every breath exactly. you take. Exactly. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> Here, here's some other info about this song, because it's, it's a, a pretty neat backstory on this song. So uh, Phil Spector had asked uh, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil to write this song. They were a big, big songwriting team. Um, and Spector uh, contributed the bridge part of the song. But Mann and Weil didn't like the title at first, but Spector loved it. And so they kept the title. And I always, I always think those kind of stories are interesting, right? Because that could have been easily changed to something else. Um, and the Righteous Brothers got picked because they had the right vocal range for that song. So that's pretty neat. You know, it really is. And, and the other thing is the production of the song. I mean, it's it's if you want to talk wall of sound, yeah, this is it. Phil, Phil Spector, for those of you who may not know, he, he was renowned for something called the wall of sound. I mean, he'd have three drummers and, you know, just a, a, literally a wall of sound coming at you. And, and this song perfectly because there's very quiet moments in it just mm -hmm. beautiful tender moments and then all of a sudden it's just like, like the ending is just so you know what i mean well yeah and the original version was quite a bit quicker yeah. and in a higher key and the righteous brothers decided to, to slow it down they brought the key down and found that sweet spot right and it's just right in the pocket this oh, it's, song it's 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 a, it's a you know that the righteous brothers really didn't like each other right yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you ever want to watch something truly, remarkably uncomfortable, watch when they get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They both come on from different sides of the stage. Neither one acknowledges the other. Oh. And they and they thank everybody. I want to thank my paper boy, um, the milkman, everyone. But they don't talk about each other. There's no thanks to, hey, Bill, thanks a lot. Or you know, it, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's of course, sad. Oh, it's horrible because, you know, it, I mean, they, they, they didn't just not like each other. They hated each other, right? And, and um, 
trying to find their names. There's Bill Medley, right? Yep. Who yep. had hits with um, uh, it, well into the 80s, and Bobby Hatfield. But um, Bobby and Bill, they just – and remember that song they had in the 70s? Or maybe you're too young. Cause let's, let's face it, re- re- people, remember, Tony's much younger than me. <laughs> Not that uh, much younger. But <laughs> <laughs> they had a hit called Rock and Roll Heaven. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that was like their last grasp at having a and that was a great song. I mean they were great together. They had great voices and 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 could not stand each other. That's amazing. Sad, isn't it? Yep. Now you know one uh, other little piece of background information on this. I always like to find out sometimes who was actually playing on the sessions because uh, mm-hmm. and Carol Kay Anybody who's interested in session musicians, she is amazing. So Carol Kay was a guitar player uh, in the L.A. music scene, and she played on thousands, literally, Aaron, thousands of records. Like there are so many uh, parts on records that are iconic that were done by a woman named Carol Kay. So I just thought I'd throw that out there as one more, you know, of those. Hey, I did not know that moments We're we're all about education today. But she also, I think it's important to to honor their names because they're on all these sessions and we take the music for granted. And you, you're you a musician, Tony, so you would know this, right? Mm-hmm. I buy a record. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm the nerd who, you know, reads everyone who's on the record. But, but back in the 60s, they didn't put that information on records, right? No, no. So these people were just, they were the session musicians who played for everybody. Yeah. Have you seen that documentary on the Wrecking Crew? Uh, I think, yeah, I've seen one. I'm not sure if it's the one you're talking about, but yeah, what a fascinating group of people. Oh, just amazing. 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 So, so yeah, here's to Carol. And um, she broke down a lot of barriers too. Bless her heart. She did. Oh, and she was an amazing player. And, and she just, was. Amazing. Just that ability to switch, you know, styles right without any warning. Like, unbelievable. Oh, we have to, right? I mean, <laughs> look at Glenn Campbell. I mean, you look at Glenn Campbell before he was Glenn Campbell was a session musician. He played in on Birds Records, The Monkees, and then he would do country and he would do, you know, so yeah, these people were remarkably talented. Well, look at Jimmy Page too as a session musician, right? So <laughs> yeah. So was Lou Reed, if you can believe it. Oh my I mean, it's just, it's just all these really funny stories like and Helen John, same thing. Yeah, that's true. Now, uh, what did you pick for charts though this week? Well, you know what? We were talking just before we came in, and, and for whatever reason, perhaps I'm blaming it on the 18 feet of snow we still have. I I thought I'd do the, the American top albums. Then I thought, wait a minute. We're talking about England, right? So let's go England, shall we? Okay, so let's go for the top five in England. So number five uh, was, a, and I'm, I, I just want people to know that when I when I look at the charts, I go to, uh, to the original magazines, which have been archived, and I'm looking right now at a, a record mirror from this date in 1965. And uh, number five is Walk Tall by Val Dunican, a uh, great artist, Irish. Number three, number three, number four <laughs> is, uh, is a, I don't know if you know her, Twinkle, a song called Terry. I don't, um, I don't, so. You have to listen to Twinkle. She's amazing. She wrote, she did these great story. The, if kitchen sink dramas could be songs, it would have been Twinkle. Uh, number three was Downtown by Petula Clark. Oh, number, great song, great. Oh, everything she did was great, by the mm-hmm. way. Another one that's great. Number two, Georgie Fame and the Flames with uh, Yeah Yeah. And number one, Knocking Out the Beatles. <clears throat> knocking out the Beatles, I feel fine is, of course, 
even last 11 feeling. However, not to, not to fret, folks, because the Beatles are number one on the EP charts and number one on the album charts. So, yeah. <laughs> now, I think, Aaron, that this would be a good time to take uh, one of our ad breaks. I love playing those old commercials. Oh. and. Andrea loved the ones you did last week that she she could not stop laughing with the Manichevitz wine because she couldn't stand <laughs> that wine. She was laughing so hard. Anyway, so yeah, we've got to find some good commercial. Well, and let's take an ad break because I really need to pee. Seriously. <laughs> hey, chicks, lend an ear because Elvis is here with an invite just for you. Step in these arms. It's Elvis Presley in Tickle Me. Elvis has a singing, swinging wrangler on a dude ranch. Not just any dude ranch. This one's jam-packed with girls. Tall girls, slim girls, short girls, blonde girls, girls, girls. It's Elvis belting out nine great super sensational songs. Night Rider, I'm Yours, Dirty, Dirty Feeling. I Feel I've Known You Forever. It's a Long Lonely Highway. Elvis Presley in Tickle Me, the funnest, wildest, wooliest, jivinest color flick ever to bounce across your movie screen. See Elvis Presley in Tickle Me in Panavision and Deluxe Color. And hear Elvis sing his songs on RCA Victor Records. Tickle Me from Allied Artists. So here we are in Los Angeles, 1977, and an album is about to be released. And this album is going to... Uh, for lack of a better expression, turn the world on its ear. This album, although no one knows it, is going to just break records and and just be huge. Of course, we're talking about a a group called Fleetwood Mac, who'd been around since 68 and never had a huge success. They had some success, but not huge in North America, for sure. And they're releasing an album called Rumors, which is, you know, an iconic album, iconic cover. And oh boy, Tony, was it huge, eh? Oh, massive. So where do we start? It's by, as of today, I mean, it's sold over 45 million copies. Um, It won the Grammy in 1978 Mm -hmm. for album of the year. The number of singles on that album blows me away. (laughs) You know, um, I listened to uh, rumors the other day again while we were researching this show, because I haven't, I hadn't heard the album in a while. And there are just about any one of those songs could have been a single. And would have done mm-hmm. well, I think. It, it's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, and you know what? I, I'm going to have to give credit to Lindsey Buckingham for that. I think he. I, I'm a huge Lindsey Buckingham fan, and I think he. I think because the album, you know, he had breaking. He was breaking up with Stevie Nicks, and I mean, "Go Your Own Way." Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know the story about "Go Your Own Way"? The little mistake in it. Uh, no, what's that? So, is this well, going to be you, another one of those moments where we're like, "Aha!" I did not know well, that. Exactly, because when you listen to the song, he he sang, he came in too early. Oh, okay. And then that's where there's this kind of a longer gap, and then he goes back to vocals. And when they listened to it, they went, "This works." Oh, that's this awesome. absolutely worked. But it was an accident, and they re-recorded it, and they did it at the right timing. Just didn't have the same impact. I love "Go Your Own Way." That oh, me my, too. Yeah, that's a fantastic favorite song. song. Favorite song. Oh, there's so many great songs in this album, and um, the recording session they went. Uh, it was recorded in California, and uh, the recording session though was not smooth at all. And uh, <laughs> you know, from it, no, there were relationship issues and drug use, and um, just massive amounts of money uh, being wasted. Um, you know, they would be on 
be paying for studio time, uh, the, the label would be, and you know they'd be having a party, and then they decide six or seven hours later, oh, okay, we better record a song. You know, it was uh, it was just a really uh, antagonistic environment, and and uh, Lindsey Buckingham, like you say, though, was the glue that held it together, and he had a vision, and he and uh, he stuck to his guns. Yeah, he really did, and and you know what? Bless him for it, because he's. I saw him um, just before. I guess it was 2019. Andrew and I saw him live in Kitchener. Okay. Um, he was amazing. Just him and a small band, and boy, oh boy, Tony. When I tell you, he was amazing. He was amazing. But um, yeah, the album. I mean, at this point, Fleetwood Mac had just come off an album called Fleetwood Mac, which had done well. I mean, number one, but it wasn't huge. I mean, it had Rihanna, and it was, it was certainly building the momentum, but rumors when it came out it, oh. it, it just floored everybody right well yeah i mean it's like uh carol king's album did right back in 71 i mean amazing and and they never really achieved the same status again i mean the album that came out after it's probably my favorite Fleetwood mac album called tusk um cause just because it's such a weird album but it didn't it didn't make number one it didn't have the 45 million in sales and anything they would have done would have been a flop i was I was watching a documentary I was mentioning to you uh, last night. Oh, actually, I, was watch- I watched two. One was on the Bee Gees, and they talked about trying to follow up Saturday Night Fever. And no matter what they put out, it wasn't mm-hmm. going to sell the same amount of quantities as Saturday Night Fever. It doesn't mean the music wasn't as good. It just means it wasn't as popular, you know? Well, that, that's right, and that's the same with an album like Rumors. But, you know, I just want to read a couple of quotes here because uh, this is perfect. So uh, Daryl Easley of the BBC Um, You know, he called the sonic results near perfect, but listen to this, like a thousand angels kissing you sweetly on the forehead. Totally. I get it. I get it. It is a fantastic album. And uh, here's uh, Patrick McKay from Stylus Magazine. He said, what distinguishes rumors, what makes it art is the contradiction between its cheerful surface and its anguished heart. Here is a radio-friendly record about anger, recrimination, and loss. And, uh, you know, when you go a little bit below the surface on this album, yeah, it's pretty poignant at times, and, and it's dealing with a lot of issues. Yeah, and I think that's the secret of a great album, Tony. And I think that's the difference between now and then is, is the, the, these were and, – and I can give you other examples. Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Uh, Carol King tapestry, Carol King music. These people were pouring their souls into their music, and this is this is what I think makes Rumors so very, very special. And there's even I don't know if you know this stuff. But there's a song called Silver Springs, which would go on to become a hit when they performed it live in the 2000s. But that was a B-side. It's yeah. a brilliant song. It's an amazing. But it was on, it was buried on a B-side. What were they thinking? So yeah, this is a, I mean an absolute uh, monster album. Now, speaking of albums, what did you pick for the charts? I did album charts because oh. I thought, you know what? what? So this is the day the album is released. And, and again, Warner Brothers is hoping for a big album, but who knows? But here's the top five at the time. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, I can say I own every single one of them. Um, number five is Boston's debut album, Boston. Wings Over America at number four, formerly number one. Number three, Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. You don't oh. like that album, do you? <laughs> yeah, that's one of my faves. I, you know, Stevie's magnum opus, as they like to say, but what a what a fantastic achievement. Oh, brilliant album. Uh, 
Number two, Barbara Streisand with Chris Christopherson and A Star is Born. Um, I don't actually own that. My wife does. Just want to be clarified that, but it's in our house. I don't own uh, any Streisand. I hate to disappoint <laughs> you, but... <laughs> oh, you want some? I got some extra. <laughs> no, thank <laughs> just you. Just kidding, Andrew. Just kidding. <laughs> Number one, another album that we could actually do a whole show on. Oh, um, my, yeah. Right? Hotel California by the Eagles, which was... Um, Massive, and I, I just want to point out something. And I, I I'm gonna get, I'm gonna stand on a, a soapbox for a second, okay? On this week in the top 200 in America, Paul McCartney and Wings had four albums in the top 200: <laughs> Venus and Mars, Band on the Run, Speed of Sound, Over America. They Wings were as huge in the 70s as the you know Beatles in the 60s. They were huge. And I don't know about Ottawa, but the local stations here who play hits from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I've not heard a Wings song. I don't hear Silly Love songs, Let Em In, My Love, Band on the Run, Jet, Junior's Farm, all hits, all top, all number ones. But So I'll get off my soapbox now. Well, and you know what? Come to think of it, you're right, because I've had uh, Shea 106 in Ottawa here um, on in the truck for uh, the last few weeks. And yeah, I haven't heard a lot of Wings at all. More, more Beatles than Wings, to be honest. But they were big. Oh, they wings, were huge. Yep. Wings were massive. Um, listen to what the man said, you know. So. And George Harrison had a couple of albums in the charts too, right? He had 33 and a third and the best of George Harrison. So Yeah, so the, the Beatles, and again, you don't hear, well, you hear my sweet Lord. He recorded more. <laughs> That's right. Now, this is setting us up beautifully for a segue into our Memphis to Merseyside. I love when you do segues. Yep. So, you know, we're just talking about Wings and and, uh, George Harrison. So for this week's Memphis to Merseyside moment, we're going to talk about the Beatles. So uh, let's do it. I'll cue up the music and we'll be right back. You know, the Beatles had many honors during their career, but I don't know if there's a, a bigger one than this one, actually. This is so cool. So NASA announced on February 1st, 2008, that Across the Universe, which I love that song, Across the Universe by the Beatles was going to be the first song ever to be beamed directly into space. So uh, the track was going to be transmitted through the Deep Space Network. It was a network of antennas on the 40th anniversary of the song being recorded, aimed directly at the North Star Polaris, which is 431 light years away. And uh, Paul's response to that, well, I'll let you, I'll let you tell us about that, but uh, Paul's response is classic Paul. Well, Paul said it was an amazing feat, and he added, well done, NASA. Send my love to the aliens. All the best, Paul. Yeah, that's classic Paul McCartney. Yeah, uh, you know, just an understated response for something that is absolutely huge. What an honor that is. Have you have you seen, and if I could find it for you, I'll send it to you. Have you seen McCartney's latest bizarre thing he did on uh, Instagram? No, what did he do? He did, he, he's discovered filters. So he's created a, a <laughs> Swedish folk heavy metal band. <laughs> and he does all the characters and it's really funny it's like this you know this you know well, that's we did <laughs> and it's like oh just it's just it's so funny but yeah it, i mean can you imagine having the song i mean i can't think of a better song uh, to be perfectly honest no you know? no it's a it's great so somebody at nasa had good taste and uh, had the foresight to do this and uh, way to go nasa and I just picture aliens just going, you know what? If this earth has this kind of music, they're all right. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're worth uh, not destroying so long. Today. Today. <laughs> they keep it up. They keep up the other nonsense. Well, you know, have you, you've seen the movie that um, The Day of the Earth Stood Still, right? Yeah, I have. <laughs> I love that. It's like, you know, okay, folks, look, we're giving you an option here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those old B movies are fantastic. Aren't they great? Aren't they just great? Love them. Love them. So that was a big thing. It was. And we've been keeping a big secret. We've been hinting around at it for the last <laughs> few weeks, but I think we can finally let the cat out of the bag, don't you think? I think you go ahead. Go ahead. So one of our long-term goals, uh, Aaron and I, is to make it on the radio. And uh, we've got that goal set for ourselves. And it is happening a lot sooner than we expected. Uh, we produced a radio special and... Uh, it is going to be airing this Thursday, February 3rd, on two stations in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, so that's pretty cool. And uh, why don't you uh, tell folks about the special, Aaron? It's just so, so cool. Well, we're friends with a guy named uh, Bernard Fraser, who has a band called Church of Trees, and, and uh, they've been around for about five or six years, and they've put out a number of albums. And he has a brand, I love the name of the album, by the way, Pish Posh. A brand new album coming out, and so we talked to Bernard, 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 and we talked to other people who are involved in the album. Rob Proust from the Spoons, and uh, um, I can't remember the other two, Stella Panacci yeah. and jo Jordan. Well, I'm going to say his name because you can't. Thank you, <laughs> Jordan Zadarozny. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, it was a. We. I just want to say, I, I went up to Tony's house, and he's the most perfect. Him and Cynthia are the best friends and the best host she could ever have and we spent today with bernard and we we put it up and tony deserves a lot of credit because he edited it beautifully and and tony my hat off to you man you did an awesome job well thank you very much uh, you know it was a, it was a big project to edit that and uh, yeah you know because you've got to get it down to about 49 50 minutes to allow room for commercials on the radio but uh, very very happy with the finished product and i think people are going to enjoy listening to it and uh, so excited aaron that we're on the radio together and I know, speaking to Bernard, that other stations will be running it uh, next week, the week after. And so I, it's going to be played on a lot of stations in the U.S. and um, on the Internet. And, and we're actually talking to a couple of places in Europe and England. So it's, it's, you know what, Tony? We're going to be not across the universe, but we are going to be across the world. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. And you know what? This was a, a fantastic road trip, Aaron, as always. Always. Yeah, I, and I, I got to tell you, I've had a really busy day, so this has been the best thing that could ever happen right now. So thank you very much. Oh, you know what? It's uh, It's been busy for me as well, and uh, really enjoyed uh, getting to chat some rock and roll history with you. Now, we would like to thank everybody out there who's allowing us into your headphones. And uh, don't stop, folks, because our show is picking up a lot of steam, and we really love bringing it to you every week. So until next time... Have a great week, and Aaron, you have a great week as well, and we will you too. we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to our road trip. The music was by Rick Denis. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. That way you'll be the first to know whenever we release a new episode. How else can people help, Aaron? They can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our website. And if you think we're worth the five stars, please leave us a review. Thanks for hitting the road with us today, and we'll see you again soon.